Hello and welcome to Patty's Got Your Fix podcast. I'm Patty, along with the company commander, my wife, Kathy. <laughs> Hello. Okay, I'm sure everybody's aware of the thousands of commercials you see daily on the TV involving the Camp Lejeune water contamination lawsuits. And today's guest is a lawyer that I retained who came highly recommended and uh, her name is Dina Young. She's senior counsel at Berger and Montague Law Firm in Philadelphia. Dina, welcome aboard. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for uh, having me. Thank you for everything you're doing for all these veterans out there also. So can oh, you tell pleasure. us a little, a little bit about yourself and what your specialty is as senior counsel? Sure. Absolutely. So um, my name is Dina Young. I'm an attorney at Berger Montague. Uh, we, we have a Philadelphia office and then a few other offices around the country. And um, the firm does a lot of class action work. Uh, we do securities, antitrust, and then we now have a new, newer, um, we call it a mass tort department. So it's uh, a department where we focus on pretty major litigations against large uh, manufacturers of products or pharmaceutical drugs uh, or medical devices typically. Um, but these are claims that involve, you know, hundreds or sometimes thousands of plaintiffs or claimants who've been injured from the same or similar cause, injury based on a product, a drug, um, a medical device, or in this case, um, toxic water. Right. Um, recently, the Honorable Brian Martinotti appointed you to serve as the plaintiff's steering committee, uh, I guess, in the uh, breast implant products liability litigation. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it was actually now about two years ago. But um, so that that's a litigation involving breast implants manufactured by a company called Allergan. And those breast implants are causing lymphoma. It's a, a specific lymphoma called breast implant-associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma. Um, and our firm represents over 100 women who've been diagnosed with this injury from this specific implant. And it's really, really awful because most of these women, or at least a large portion of these, these clients, had breast cancer and mm. then had a mastectomy and reconstructed mm. with implants and now are having a second round of cancer, this time caused by their implants. So yeah, it's really upsetting um, and a litigation that I feel very strongly about. Good for you. And then the case at Camp Lejeune, um, the water contamination problem is explained by uh, over a million military personnel and their family members who were stationed at the United States Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune in North Carolina between 1953 and 1987. And during this time, the people living on base, military service members, civilians, and the like, ingested contaminated drinking water and bathed in water that had been contaminated with chemicals from the base water treatment facility and an off-base dry cleaning company in the local area. So there's a tremendous amount of people affected by this. And um, I'm thankful that we got your services to represent us. And if you can tell us a little bit of, about 
the contamination case and how it's proceeding and so forth. Well, even in how it was triggered by uh, recent legislation, right? Right. The, uh, sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to represent you, and, and we're representing many other uh, people, both veterans and um, reservists, guardsmen, other people that have been on base, um, families, and, you know, it's a really important piece of legislation that allows for recovery for people who have been exposed and injured um, at Camp Lejeune from this toxic water. It, you know, the, the, the effects of this toxic water span decades. So we have clients that have been exposed from as early as 1953 um, up through 1987. And uh, so, you know, the legislation is now allowing for victims to submit a claim uh, to the federal government and get, hopefully get, you know, fair, fair compensation for the, for the injuries that they're suffering. And there's a wide range of injuries. Um, you know, some, I'm sure a lot of you know um, what the presumptive injuries are. And then there's a handful of others that we think are also related that, that we have experts working on. Wow. Um, so, and these are severe injuries, right? I mean, for, yeah, these are, these are very, I'm severe. sorry. The, the, the injuries that you mentioned are very severe, mostly cancer. Yeah. And the, they're uh, very severe. Right. And the whole uh, Congress, I guess, passed the act of 2022, the PACT Act, which started the ball rolling, uh -huh. which was last August. And uh, for the veterans out there, be aware that this is just happening now since last August. So it's going to be a time-consuming process. But um, it is. I absolutely. recommend. I recommend. And something else. Right. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say uh, it is time consuming, but also there is a statute of limitations. Um, so oh. even though this, you know, these events transpired so many years ago, the, the act allows for you to bring a claim now if you've been affected, but you only have until two years after the passage of the act oh, to bring your that. claim. So, so the, the act was passed. August 10th of 22. So we have to make sure everyone who is entitled to compensation here files their claim before August 10th of 2024. So that. you have some time, but you don't have all the time. That's right. Okay? That's a very important piece of information we, we just learned. Thank it's you. It's very important because what that means is if you file your case you don't, you know, you're not hiring an attorney because you don't want to deal with it and you, you know, it's overwhelming and it's stressful and it brings back memories and whatever, for whatever reason, you know, people don't want to call an attorney. But if you try and file your case on August 11th of 2024, you're going to be out of luck. Okay. Um, it'll get denied off the bat. So, you know, try not to delay. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of hesitation in the country about this case I, because there's some law firms that are advertising in ways that are not, you know, they're, they're, they're not good. There's a lot of direct solicitation, which is not proper. And um, people are not pleased with, you know, how attorneys are advertising, but there are some really, really good firms out there that are, 
you know, have all the best intentions to serve our veterans. And um, so, you know, just be careful. Don't try not to respond to these direct ads that you're getting, but do look up someone who's, um, you know, got a, a good history behind them and um, someone you can trust. Typically, you know, you can get referral from another friend who's a vet who has a firm that they trust. So, but but do seek um, counsel so that you can make sure your claim is timely filed. There you go. And Dina, if God forbid a veteran dies and he did file a claim, is, is there a restitution to his family or how would that work? Absolutely. So <laughs> what happens, it, it, it's called a wrongful death. So if let's say we have, uh, and we have a lot of cases like this where the veteran um, or the person that was on base has passed from their injury or whatever it was, cancer or, um, you know, Parkinson's or multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin, whatever it is, they, yeah. they passed away and the family, there's an estate. So let's say the, the person who passed had a will and the will says, you know, that my estate, I want to be handled by, my surviving spouse, my wife, or my, you know, my oldest son or whoever it is, um, that person who's listed in the will should go to their local register of wills and open an estate. Um, you have to get letters of administration to show that you are in charge of executing the estate. And, and then when and if there's a settlement or a verdict in the case that's awarding money, that money will go to the estate and be distributed however that person wished in their will. And if there is no will, which oftentimes people die without a will, um, which is called intestate, when you die intestate, it means you're dying without a will, then the proceeds of of an, a settlement or a verdict will go uh, by the laws, the intestate laws of your state. So if you die in Pennsylvania and um, the estate is opened in Pennsylvania, but there's no will, you know, the person died without a will, but they, but somebody, a next of kin opened an estate to handle the affairs um, that any money that's collected as a result of, this case will go per the intestate laws of the state of Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, if, if I'm not sure what they are at the very moment, but it could, it may say, you know, to be divided amongst the children equally, or right. it'll have a certain set of different ways in which that money will be distrib distributed. Right. So that's called intestacy, intestate okay. laws. Now, um, I, I was so, notified by the Marine Corps yeah. headquarters through a letter. And they say, go to the VA and get checked out. I did, and I was diagnosed with uh, scleroderma from the water contamination. And the VA has been treating me for the last 9, 10 years. Now, if somebody wins a case, do they lose their VA benefits, or does that continue? Or have they decided on that yet? That's a good question. So my understanding is you do not lose your benefits, um, but – there will be an offset. So if somebody's getting, you know, I don't know, uh, $2,000 a month 
for a disability um, when, if and when this case settles, you may get a reduction based on that rather than losing it altogether, you may just have a reduction or an offset. Mm -hmm. um, that's my understanding. But again, you know, it's still very new and we haven't seen how this plays out yet. So um, hopefully I, what I, what I believe to be true will be true and that um, there will just be a financial offset and not a loss of benefits. Okay. So if a veteran's uh, interested in contacting you, um, you pre-screen them or what, would they call you directly or what can we do for our veterans on this end? Yeah, I, we would be more than happy to, to help vet anybody who has, or even answer any questions. Um, you know, I would like uh, and any, any of your listeners who have questions about the process, you know, we don't need to represent you to, to help answer your questions or point you in the right direction. Um, but certainly if you wish to sign up with us, you know, we're happy to have you and we'll do everything we can for you. Um, but if you are already represented, please don't call me. <laughs> call your attorney. Fair enough. Uh, well, and just yeah. from our own yeah. personal experience, when we started seeing all those ads from the car salesman of the legal world, right. yeah, you know, it was it yeah. was a little overwhelming. So we did a little bit of research, reached out to friends and family, and then we found you, and it made all the difference in the world. We were reassured. Um, one of the things that you helped us understand, and I don't know, maybe we have a minute to cover it here, was the difference between a traditional class action lawsuit and what you called mass, what, mass tort, what? Mass tort, uh-huh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. That, it's an it's a, it's a interesting um, question that lots of people have. They don't, they don't understand the difference. And I'm yeah, would you like me to kind yeah. of explain that? Yeah, if, sure. you, if you could. We found it very okay. helpful. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and just so you know, this case is really not either one of those things. Um, mm. But so a class action is a, and they're both very large cases. So a class action is when you have one um, complaint that carries the whole case. It's, it's on behalf of a class of people. Um, but there's only one complaint. It's the operative complaint, and it has all the causes of action. It can represent hundreds or thousands of people at the same time against the same or similar defendants. Um, and typically, you have a leadership group, just like you do in a, in a mass tort, um, a lead group of, of attorneys that help push the litigation along. Um, but but the litigation is is on behalf of the class. There's no individual claims mm -hmm. there, and there's no physical injury claims typically. Um, a mass tort is different. Um, it, it's different and it's similar. It's similar in that it, you know you can have thousands of people plaintiffs in the same litigation against the same company defendant. Um, if it's Johnson and Johnson or Monsanto or Allergan, as I discussed earlier, um, so it's similar to the class in the size and the scope, but different in that 
everyone who's in the SNAP tort, everybody who has a claim is handled individually. They have their own complaint and their own causes of action against the defendant. Um, and they typically do involve physical injuries, like what, you know, as the breast implant case, those are cancer cases. Um, the case against Roundup, uh, against Monsanto for Roundup mm -hmm. was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There's the Johnson & Johnson talcum powder cases for women who've been diagnosed with ovarian cancer from talc using uh, the baby powder with talcum powder. And so there's hundreds of these uh, mass torts around the country for large groups of victims. Um, and it, they range anywhere from, um, you know, nat natural disasters and the handling of a natural disaster when it affects thousands of people um, to medical devices like um, hips and knee replacements and uh, IVC filters, any kind of medical device, hernia mesh, transvaginal mesh, and, and then pharmaceutical products as well that cause injury and that may not have been properly warned of um, at risk or there's a defect in the manufacture of it. So um, that's the difference between those two. Uh, if there's a physical injury involved, it's typically handled in the mass tort realm. Um, and then if it's an economic injury, it's typically handled in the class, class case. Got right. it. And then this Camp Lejeune. Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. It does. And you said this Camp Lejeune water contamination is being handled slightly so, differently? So I would call this litigation, you know, similar to a mass tort. It's definitely not a class action um, because every single claimant, every person, every veteran or injured person has their own individual claim. So that makes it more like a mass tort in that there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of people involved all against the same uh, defendant, the government, and uh, all relating to a physical injury that they have, uh, you know, that they've been diagnosed with. And so it is similar to a mass tort, but there's not, not at this point, a, a um, designated multi-district litigation um, like the other mass torts. So it's similar, but the defendant is the government. Right, okay. And so veterans know also there's a list of conditions you have to meet, or uh, diseases, I should say, uh, before you proceed right. with the whole concept. And we'll have those listed on our website. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah, so we... Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm done. Go ahead. You're the guest. You go ahead. <laughs> um, so so <laughs> there's a, there is a long list of injuries, and I'm happy to provide it to you and um, or talk to anybody who has questions. But um, the, I, I believe the presumptive injuries are in the act, and then there's a there's a whole host of other injuries that we believe we will be able to prove are also related. Oh, okay. um, they're not necessarily listed, but but we are investigating them and we believe we'll have um, causation for those. But the, the top injuries that are 
related uh, are kidney cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, multiple myeloma, other adult leukemias, liver cancer, Parkinson's disease, kidney disease, scleroderma or systemic sclerosis, um, any major cardiac birth defects, and then lung cancer. Those are those are the big ones. Um, but then there's also, like I said, a host of others that yeah, sure. um, we think we will get causation uh, support for. So we're not necessarily turning down people who do not have, you know, this small list right, of injuries. Right. So it's um, it's really an individual basis, and and we look at each specific case individually to make sure, you know, the person was, um, first of all that they were at Camp Lejeune for the requisite amount of time, so mm -hmm. at least 30 days, and that they have uh, a serious diagnosis of, of one of the injuries we're looking at, and then that the, the time period that they were at Camp Lejeune uh, for 30 days was between uh, 1953 and 1987, mm -hmm. has to be at some point during that period. And if if the person has that criteria, meets those criteria, then we will, you know, we, we'd be happy to represent them and bring this claim on, on their behalf. All right. Uh, one more question, um, just about the process itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when, when a vet contacts you, you need, you know, medical records and whatnot, whether they're going through the VA or not, so you can understand what they've been diagnosed with, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, so the, pro the process is long, um, and it, it requires a lot of different steps. So, yeah, once, you know, we get a new client calls, and we get all of their uh, biographical information. We need date of birth. We need, um, you know, how, time on base, how, why you were on base, diagnosis information so we can order the treating records, diagnosing records, uh, all the service records, and it takes a long time. You know, I have clients that call and they're like, it's been two months since I signed <laughs> up. Why yeah, isn't right. this case over? And I'm like, well, because we're still waiting on your health records. You so, know, we don't, we, we can only do that step. We have to, we have to wait from other entities to, sure. um, to provide the records. So it's, it's not a quick process. So, once um, you get the records, what yeah. you know, what's the, the next step in the process? So once we have the records and we review the records and make sure that everything is verified and meets um, the criteria that we're looking at, um, then we can go ahead and draft and file the administrative claim. Um, and once that occurs, uh, the, the Department of Navy will acknowledge that they received the claim, they'll sign a claim number. Um, and then my understanding, which we haven't seen yet, is that they make a determination based on the claim and whether they're going to accept it um, and offer a settlement or deny it. And then you go ahead with a lawsuit after that. All so right. Got it. Um, if they offer a settlement, the client will decide, you know, is this something I want to accept? Um, and if they do, then great, case over, take your money and run. And if not, 
um, you know, you'll talk to your attorney, whoever it is, about next steps. Like if it's not sufficient to make you feel like you've been compensated, then, you know, let's discuss if we're going to file a, a lawsuit. Right. Um, against the government in North Carolina federal court and whether we're going to uh, litigate. Okay. And and that's, you know, that's a case-by-case determination that everybody will make with their attorney. So presumably there's a backlog of, of cases before the Navy who gets to decide whether to um, offer compensation or not or before, you know, you go to a lawsuit. Right. Uh, that backlog, right. yeah, I don't know if they've given you any feedback on what that backlog looks like. And does does the deadline, the mm. August 2024 deadline of submitting claims affect any of that time-wise? Uh, you know, I don't know that answer. Um, we don't have any of the backward-looking claims. We, were, we weren't involved um, previously. So I... For people who've already submitted claims before the act was passed, right, right. I'm not sure. I mean, mm. I, I believe their statute is told. That, that's the term of art. Is told. That means you like triggered the statute. You don't have to worry anymore. But my my guess is that if they already filed a claim before the act, they are protected from the statute running. Right. Um, but. Like, again, I, I don't have cases in that group, so I'm, I don't know exactly what's happening there. But okay. um, anybody who does have a case in that group has an attorney, and they should definitely be in touch with their attorney about next steps and mm-hmm. um, how they are affected by the act. All right. Um, Dino, if it's all right with you, I'd like to put your contact information on our website. Uh, where people can reach out Please to you do. and, and uh, Facebook and all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But we absolutely we, um, we appreciate your time and thank you for the education and uh, appreciate what you're doing for veterans. And uh, we'll be talking well, to you soon. My pleasure. And yeah, I'm happy to help. Um, my my phone number is two one five eight seven five four six nine one. Okay. Um, and my email is d young d y o u n g at the letter b as in boy m as in mary dot net bm dot net i'll send that to you also in an email so you can um, put it up on the site and you got it good stuff again thank you for the education uh dina young senior counsel at burger montague and uh veterans out there if you need some guidance or help Highly recommend Dina Young. Dina, yeah, thank you again. She's been great helping us, Absolutely. that's for sure. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you. you too. Thank you. Bye-bye.